Hello and welcome to another episode of Faith Talk, where we talk all things theology, religion, and life stuff questions. I'm Oliver, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Peyton. As always. As always. <laughs> yes, as and, always. And today, we're joined yet again by Pastor Rome. Yes, we're hey, finishing guys. it, finally. Yeah. yeah. Part two. <laughs> we started this conversation. It's the second episode of this podcast. Yeah. And, and now we're finally back. It's changed wow. a lot. Yeah. Like, you can, you can actually see. see us now. <laughs> As you can see. As you can see. But the last time we had Pastor Roman, we were in a little booth. Like Three a guys closet. I remember that. Surrounded <laughs> one mic. You kept hitting the mic, remember? Yeah. <laughs> I did. Because you were I so did. cramped in there. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got a whole, like, setup here All with right. video and everything. A poster and everything. Yeah. It's poster crazy. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, did you guys even have the logo? We, did. we did yeah, have the logo, did. I think. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is awesome that uh, well your your ministry is growing. <laughs> it, is. it is. It is. Praise God. It's exciting too. So yeah, I mean we're we're getting into. I believe the title of the first part was the history of Christian thought, and we're yeah. kind of going to jump back onto that bandwagon since there's so much to talk about. Yeah, I guess you know, like the the, the question would be like, how is it that Christianity is still around yeah. today after two thousand years? It's yeah, still here. and 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 it goes back to like like. Haven't haven't we like what we've done with Zeus and Marduk, right? Yeah. Reason these guys out of education today. Yeah. But you go to the library today, like the the the, the Congress, mm-hmm. um, and and you know quoting you know I forget the the the, the philosopher who said it. Um, he says that when you when you go to the libraries, it's like the the largest percentage of the topics that they those books are about right god mm-hmm. right and not just any god in particular it's 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 the god of the bible and why is it that we're still talking about the god of the bible yeah. today why is the god of the bible still you know irrelevant why is, why is he relevant yeah. why is he still relevant today you know i was just listening to like you know one podcast just recently as well and it had you know two guys mm-hmm arguing over the nature of God mm-hmm. and you know both of them approaching you know um, the God of the Bible differently and so I'm, I'm thinking like you know after all these years after the you know the age of enlightenment right you know the renaissance the age of enlightenment uh, the modern and postmodern and here we are in the metamodernism world uh, we're still talking about him Yep. He hasn't gone anywhere. And so I guess, you know, the last time we were, we were talking about Christianity yep. stepping, you know, into the scene with um, with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? You know, Jesus uh, sends his followers into the world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Whereas, and if you look into the Old Testament, um, one of the biggest problems that, they, that, that Israel had was that they, they were very exclusive. Right. Right. They... For them, it was uh, it was like the Gentile world was a uh, the, the un- unclean Gentiles over there can't come near. Right, us. it's yeah. like no, 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 right. and they 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 lost sight of the fact that God had called them to reflect His character right. to, to, to all the nations. We we see this in Isaiah chapter one. Um, you know, we 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 see this in Jonah. Jonah going over mm-hmm. to you know the Gentiles, the Nineveh, um, to give the gospel. Right, mm-hmm. all throughout Scripture, you, you see God using Israel, uh, like you know, as a as as a way to reach mm-hmm. the other nations. And um, Jesus, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, finally tells his disciples, "Go into the world 
and um, you know take the good news. Mm -hmm. And so they go into the world at a crucial time. It's um, it's the Hellenistic world that they were entering into, mm -hmm. and the Hellenistic world was in a in 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 a skeptical impasse at yeah. the time, and. At the time, you know, Stoicism and right. Epicureanism was on the rise. And Stoicism and Epicureanism was really a reaction to the debate between Plato and Aristotle. Plato was, he, he, he was the great, you know, the, he had a strong ontology, mm -hmm. right? He's the great rationalist. And then you have Aristotle, who was the, you know, the great he had a he had a strong epistemology yeah. and he's the he, he's the great um, empiricist mm -hmm. and so they they're having this debate right over who who's got it right plato is saying it's the ideal versus the receptacle and then you got aristotle who says you know that can easily be you know um defined through actuality and potentiality and so they whenever you hear two great ideas you're like shoot they both sound right <laughs> they're trying to tackle some of the toughest questions of life and when they couldn't figure out what the right answer was it was like well we don't care anymore you, you just give up you give you up you become indifferent yeah it's like nobody has the right answer who cares? Anymore? Who cares now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and the attitude towards that is like, it's like, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and that's where Stoicism and... and Stoicism it's and... It's more like nihilism almost, right? When you say nobody cares anymore. Yeah, uh, but it, it, it's... it's I, I would say it's more like, it, it's more existential. Sure. Um, like Stoicism, it's like, it's, it's like for both the Stoic and the Epicurean, they have to make sense of the absurdity of life. It's like, okay, so we haven't figured out, you know, what the the main question of life is. It's like, you know, it's, it, it's the existential question. It's like, mm -hmm. um, what is the meaning of life? 42. <laughs> 42. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 42. <clears throat> After all these years. <laughs> that's it. We found it, guys. It's 42. <laughs> But, you know, the, but that's the thing, right? They, they couldn't figure it out. And so um, Stoicism says, right, you know, it's, it's, let, let's, let's try and think right now, okay? It's, it's, we've, we've got to use our minds, right? We've, we've got to focus. And I think the biggest problem we have is we're too emotional. <laughs> that we're too yeah, emotional. Right. We're, we're going to start using our minds. We've got to start being, you know, it's, I, I heard it said this way. It's I over E, intelligence over emotions, yeah. not E over I, right? right? And then you got Epicureanism. And I heard this one Adventist, right? This one Adventist, he did a sermon and he talked about, you know, Epicurean was like this pagan philosopher who was all about pleasure. Yeah. He indulged in sex, he indulged in all sorts of food. That's not who Epicurean is. And I guess sometimes when people, you know, like hear what another person says about another philosopher, yeah. and then they think, oh, they're all philosophers from the ancient world, all evil. Yeah. Epicurean was against any form of pleasure that brought about um, pain. It's the yeah. hedonistic paradox. Yeah. He said, um, you got to be careful with the type of food that you eat because mm -hmm. it could bring about diseases. Yeah. He talked about not engaging in sex because it brings about all sorts of issues, you know, emotional issues. Um, and, and, and he said that 
if anything, you should rethink what pleasure is. Yeah. And so, if anything, he was more a monk. <laughs> he was yeah. more a monk. Yeah. When he talked about pursuing pleasure, believe me, you know, it's got nothing to do with what people think pleasure yeah. is today. Yeah. It's interesting because these ideas that we're talking about here seep into the modern world without us even realizing it. You know, like, <laughs> we, we've all seen Batman versus Superman, right? Right. That movie. I didn't particularly like that movie. <laughs> That's neither here nor there, though, because in that movie, Lex Luthor says, I learned a long time ago that if God is all-powerful, he cannot be all-good. And right. if he's all-good, he cannot be all-powerful. Right. And, and he's quoting Epicurus. Yes. Of course, he's plagiarizing because he doesn't get any credit. But, yep. but it's in there, and, yes. and it seeps into our culture today without us even seeing it. And nobody would know. You watch that movie, you come out of the theater, no idea that you just heard like, philosophy <laughs> from this guy. You don't yep. even know his name, but it's there. It, and it's still it's still there today. Um, yeah. There's a story that uh, uh, D.L. Moody says, uh, he's teaching in a class, and he talks about like, you know, the, the, the world that he was living in. He was living in a world of, uh, you know, of apathy and, um, you know, and, and ignorance. And he and he said to the, and he turned around to the student and, and he says, "Do you agree that we're in an age of apathy and ignorance?" And the kid says, "I don't know, and I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> and it's you know it's 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 really um, what what Epicurean was was he was really a sign of his times. Sure, he knew that people hadn't worked it out, but we have to deal with life, right? And so he tried to make sense of life, and so. Um, Stoicism was really more popular in the Roman world than it was anywhere else. Uh, it, it was more popular to the Romans than it was to the Greeks. So Paul, in Acts chapter 17, turns up, you know, into yeah. the scene and um, brings Christianity, right? And he engages both the Stoics and the Epicureans. Yeah. And so the Christians, they brought a synthesis, right? Mm -hmm. And in 1 John First uh, John chapter one, verse one. John testifies that that which we have heard about, right. that's the that that was the ontology mm -hmm. that Plato was talking about. Um, he says has come, yeah, and we had touched him. We, we beheld him. We, we beheld him. him. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. That was the um, that's what Aristotle was looking for. The Christian synthesis ended that. That that skepticism, mm -hmm. and it quickly, it quickly transformed the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. The world was never the same again, yeah. and the world hasn't been the same <laughs> since Jesus yeah. steps into the world. Yeah. Every philosophy, every thought, from that moment onwards, had to deal with the question of what do we do with Jesus. And so you got all these great minds and all these great thinkers that would come up after that. You got like Augustine, right? Yeah. And you've got Anselm. These guys harnessed the Platonic, you know, idea yeah. to convey this Christian message mm -hmm. because, you know, it, 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 they were emerging out of this Hellenistic world. Mm -hmm. So they were using what was familiar to the West at the time. Right. And so what was familiar to the West was, you know, the ideas of Plato and Aristotle. More Plato at the time than it was Aristotle. Because remember, Plato was the great rationalist. 
And a lot of people who don't know what rationalism is, a lot of people think that rationalism is the opposite of spirituality. Yeah. It's it's not. Um, back then, rationalism was like spirituality. Rationalism was on the opposite side of the spectrum from science. Yeah. From which, in, which is ironic, which is, given what we see today. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, Aristotle was arguing for a scientific worldview. Plato was arguing for the opposite because he believed that um, that the abstractions were more powerful than the object. He would say, um, who was it? Jordan Peterson in his book, Maps of Meaning, yeah. said that um, Sigmund Freud and Shakespeare were both, uh, were both looking to achieve the same thing. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah. one, one wrote poetry and stories yeah. um, and they were fictitious. Yeah. The other one was a scientist mm -hmm. and a psychologist. How are they... The same. You see, one was talking about the matter of life as in matter. Yeah. The that other one was talking about what matters. <laughs> what right. matters in yeah. life. And um, it's like you go and watch Hamlet yeah. and you think about the tragedy in Hamlet, the tragedy of, you know, um, um, much ado about nothing and um, Romeo and Juliet. No one would actually in their right mind walk away and say that, those stories aren't true. Sure. There's mm -hmm. something deep about yeah. those stories on a rational level. Yeah. And even when we discuss morals and ethics, you discuss it on a rational level, not a scientific, yeah. not a, you know, not from an empiricist level because science doesn't, science only talks about how, the hows of life. Yeah. It never talks about the why. Mm -hmm. It does not talk about the why. When you say like those stories are true, I guess it, it means what you mean by true. Because yes. speaking of Jordan Peterson, he somebody people ask him all the time. They're trying to pin him yes. in the box of whether he's a Christian, what, what, what he is. And one time I remember hearing him say, well, in that sense, kind of the sense you just described, the Bible is true. And he said it's, quote, even more than true in that yeah. sense. Oh, yeah. So people hear that and they try to pin him into the box of, oh, he's a Christian. But what he means by that and his, his belief system is that the Bible describes human nature. Yes. Essentially the way. And I think even we did an episode one time about Star Wars and faith. Yeah. Where we talked about like <laughs> like the parallels of Profound. How, in that sense you could say, Oh, Star Wars has some truth to it because it talks yes. about the human condition. And I know like you're you're you, you may be a bigger Star Wars fan than me at this point. I gotta yeah, say, you, know, you, yeah. you may have talked with yeah. me, so Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's like every story has some truth to it if you really look at it. Well, yeah. Every movie you throw a rock hit one there's morals behind it yeah there's truth in there somewhere sesame street has <laughs> truth to it dude you know? no atheist goes to watch a marvel movie yeah. and walks out saying i don't like it because it's not realistic yeah yeah you know what i'm saying like yeah. nobody walks out of these movies saying prove to me that people can fly <laughs> nobody cares when you're watching marvel yeah Oh, prove to me that there are other universes. They don't care. They don't care because yeah. they're so consumed yeah. in the story and they can't wait for the next one. They're like watching the Netflix, you know, yeah. um, series of other ones to try and make mm -hmm. sense of what they watched. It's, it's like, it's a religion in itself. Yeah. And I think that um, Christianity, when it came in to the Hellenistic world, mm -hmm. 
it was easily received because what they had already known about their gods you know, Jesus gave them something more real. Yeah, you know, that, that's interesting because you, you mentioned Zeus earlier. Yep. Towards the beginning. And then you mentioned the Marvel movies. Yep. And in that recent, <laughs> we, we were talking about this the other day, the, the new Thor Love and Thunder movie. That, <laughs> Zeus shows up in there. Yep. But but what, what's interesting is that they play him as a joke, right? Yep. And, and they play all these gods in, in this Thor movie as a joke. Christianity is never portrayed in like a movie like that as a joke. Yep. There's a distinct difference we see that Christianity's lasted this 2,000 years and people still take it seriously. But nobody really takes Zeus seriously anymore. He, he's he's yep. a joke. Nobody believes or worships Zeus. Right. But we still believe and worship Christianity on a very large scale. Yes. And, and that's that Christian synthesis or, or Jesus stepping on the scene that changed things. That scene where you see Thor mm-hmm. in the middle surrounded by all these gods, yeah. that's how you would imagine Jesus in this time. Yeah, he he's like the one that is going to bring people's minds back to the existence of God, the real God, the real God, the real God. And so everyone else, like I imagine Acts chapter 17, when Paul enters the scene and he sees all these gods (laughs) and only one of them was the one that he would use to bring truth from. And he said, Agnostos Theos. It's the unknown God. This is yeah. the God that um, I'm going to talk to you about. And so you, you, you look at um, the rise of Christianity yeah. and how Christianity rose during that time. They didn't rise through the conquest of soldiers that yeah. marched into Rome and conquered Rome through the sword and then gave them religion. No, they conquered Rome through the word and the yeah. word alone. It wasn't, the, yeah. and the reason I particularly point that out is because when you think about the spread of Islam, it was by the sword. It was by the sword, yeah. which is why most historians would, would 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 refer to Islam as more of an empire, yeah, than a faith. Um, the spread of the Moorish in the north into Spain through the sword, right, and then the spread uh, of of like the Turks mm-hmm. into Europe, you know, in the west. Um, all of it done by the sword, and once they conquered them, they gave them, you know, Christi. Uh, sorry, uh, they gave them the Quran, you know, yeah. Islam, and so the miracle that Christianity did that in such a small, small time, mm-hmm. and then on on top of that, um, uh, you got now like this belief in God, yeah. but you saw also corruption mm-hmm. in that time. People lost. Um, people lost what true Christianity was. And I, and I put it this way. Um, Christianity became the persecutor. They were yeah. once the persecuted, and then they yeah. became the persecutor. Um, they were doing a lot of strange things back then. Yeah. They changed the idea of church. And this is why my heart goes out to many of the atheists that are out there. Sure. Their idea of Christianity is given to them through history. Yeah. Not the right history, right? <laughs> I always yeah. try and take them back to the person of Jesus mm-hmm. because they always take us back to the medieval period. Yeah, uh, The medieval synthesis is not the same as the Christian synthesis, yeah. what the medieval church did. And I know that even the Catholic church, even now, um, have some regrets mm-hmm. of the things that they did back then. You got the inquisitions, you know, sure. you've got um, slavery 
that came up afterwards. But like, here's the thing, right? Um, the, the 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 Crusades as well. There is yeah. blood on Christians' hands. Sure. Um, the first ones to call out Christianity was Christianity. The Christians yeah. called them out first. Yeah. I had somebody, you know, talk to me uh, recently saying that um, <clears throat> about the sermon that I preached the other, yeah. you know, the other day, the other week. And they said, you know, you, you talked about these nihilist sure. and these existentialists, you know, philosophers. They were really calling out Christianity for their atrocities. Mm-hmm. And I said, yep. But before they called out Christianity, Christianity yeah. was already calling them out because, you know, Jesus had an answer to the chaos of the world. And it wasn't church. Yeah. It wasn't humanism. Right, it, it 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 wasn't any political party. No. Nothing is rising up after the church, and so when they were throwing the church out, mm-hmm. um, they were throwing out the very thing that Jesus gave us to deal with the issues of the world. Jesus was going to work through His church, but the church lost its identity yep. in the in, in that period to the point where you can actually say that there's this counterfeit church that yeah. became known as the church. Mm-hmm. And um, and the church was, you know, the true church at the time was being persecuted. Like you got the Waldensies, right? Who were still holding true to what the Bible was saying and were being persecuted by the church. Yeah. It's like, what is going on here? And so um, the, the rise of Islam was also because there was corruption in the mm-hmm. church. There was division in the church. Okay. If you look around the time in which in the 7th century when Islam you know, was rising up, there was, you know, issues between, you know, the church in the East and the West. They had what they call, you know, um, iconoclasticism. The church was divided over the issue of iconoclasticism, which is, should there be images in the church or not? (laughs) Should we have pictures, sculptures, yeah. Should should we do that? Like That's the stained, what the stained glass windows that you see. In yeah, the like anything yeah. with images. Yeah, Islam came around and says no, you can't. And mm-hmm. because the church yeah. was divided on it, those who said that you shouldn't have, they they became Islamic a lot easier. Yeah, and you see that happening in the civil rights movement as well. Mm-hmm. Many people went to Islam because of the misrepresentation of God. Yeah. Um, you got people that were saying, like, you know, um, Christianity is a white religion. <laughs> Even though none of the founders were white. <laughs> right. They were like, it's a white religion. Yeah. And so many of them became, you know, Islam. Many of the, the, the black Americans here became Islam because of what they saw Christianity to be. A misrepresentation. At, the misrepresentation. Yeah. Right. And so going back to that time, a lot of people became a lot of people were leaving the church. And also, because play, the, the, the Platonic approach was so popular in the church, the rise of Islam, when they attacked the church, they used Aristotle. <laughs> they used Aristotle to question the church's theology, which is funny because they started bringing back the debate between Plato and Aristotle. Yeah. Remember, Plato ended skepticism yeah. before his time, right? There was skepticism before Plato, which brought about cynicism and sophism. Yeah. And then Plato ended, yeah. you know, the, the, the debate by, you know, bringing in his synthesis. And everything seems to be okay until... And then they revive it. And then Aristotle comes into the scene. 
And so the battle between Aristotle and Plato. And so that battle was revived when Islam comes in and they harness the Aristotelian, you know, um, philosophy and, you know, um, their debate with Christianity. And so one of the guys that, that, that used the Aristotelian argument to help stir the church back in the right direction was Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. And so Thomas Aquinas uh, comes into the scene. And so, you know, um, again, you know, it's the church will always, the church will always check the church. And so the Reformation comes around as the church, mm-hmm. you know, trying to um, make sure that the church is going into the right direction. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Martin Luther, right? He wasn't the very first um, reformer. There were other reformers before him that were talking about the, the church. These reformers were um, trying to correct the church's corruption. And when they tried to do that, they were burnt at the stake. Yeah. Um, Jan Hus or John Hus mm-hmm. was one of those guys. And he was trying to correct the church at the time. Um, and they burnt him, right? Because he was trying to translate the Bible. Like, you know, um, and when he tried to do that, um, they burnt him at the stake. And he yeah. says, you're roasting a goose. But a swan will rise. Well, it's, it's like they say, the blood of martyrs is seed. Yeah. And because you, you compared Christianity's spread to Islam's spread. And how right. Islam was spread by the sword. Yes. In a sense, Christianity was spread by the sword, but in the opposite way. The opposite, and, yeah. As in the sword being used against Christianity was actually part of what spread it. Yes. And, and that's a huge distinction. Exactly. Force versus persecution. Exactly. And, and, and that's why whenever somebody talks about, oh, you know, the dichotomy between Christianity and science, and they talk about pro-science, it's like Christians were the first yep. scientists, yep. you know, in, in, in that regard, in that, in, in that tradition. It was Copernicus, uh, you know, a Polish priest. Like all these Christians, you know, that came together that caused the scientific revolution. Isaac Newton was Christian, yep. you know? So it's like, you know, I, I don't buy into the, the whole dichotomy between, you know, uh, science and, 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 and religion itself. And so anyways, you know, the Reformation was a respond to the corruption of the church. Yep. Martin Luther could no longer believe this stuff. And it was really because Martin Luther, he, he the story has it that he, he was reading, he, he, was, he was writing a commentary on first, he, his first commentary was on Psalm, commentary on Psalm. His second commentary was on Romans. And in Romans chapter 1, I think it's verse 17, verse 16 and 17, he was stuck on those two verses. Because, remember, he's a Catholic, right? Raised in the Catholic tradition. And it says you shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel in in Romans chapter 1. It's the revelation of the righteousness of God. He was like, wait, hold on. Um... Let me give you an example. Um, you have a cookie jar, right? Mm-hmm. And your mother says, you, you're not allowed to touch the cookies yeah. in the cookie jar. And so you, you, she turns off the lights. Everyone's going to sleep. At what time would you go and put your hand in the cookie jar? You'd never do it in the day, right? No. 
You gotta be sneaky about it. <laughs> you gotta be sneaky about it, right? And and the whole expression, the hand in the cookie jar, right? Yeah. Is, you know, the kid does it at night, mm-hmm. not in the day. And the thing is, you will continue to have the hand in the cookie jar so long as the night, so long as it's night. But as soon as your mother switches on the light, you're like caught red-handed, right? <laughs> and, and and you're like, oh my goodness. You pause mm-hmm. and you, your ways have been brought into the light. Yeah. There's nothing like boastful about that. It's shameful. No. And yeah. so 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 for 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 Luther, he was like how is it that you, you should be very ashamed? You should be very ashamed. But he says that, you know, God's goodness is seen in this gospel, yeah. this, you know, the light. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like what is supposed to be embarrassing. Yeah. Remember when Paul says, um, you know, we shouldn't boast in the good things. We should mm-hmm. boast in our infirmities. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a paradox. It is, yeah. It's like a paradox. It's like, why should I boast in my weaknesses? It's like somebody losing a game. And this, this in fact, happened, right? In 97, the All Blacks, number one rugby team in the world, they played Italy. And they were smashing Italy. Like, they were in, like, oh, going into the hundreds. Italy was on zero. And in the last 10 minutes of the game, Italy gets a try. And there's a celebration the game is not over, but they were celebrating, weeping on the field. And I'm like, what is going on here? You'd think that the Italians had won the game. Yeah. And then you realize it's the very first try that the Italians have got on the All Blacks mm. since the history of the game. Mm. And so they were celebrating that one try. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like Paul was told to celebrate, mm. you know, like glory in your weaknesses, yeah. celebrate your infirmities, like glory in that. Don't glory in, in, in goodness because that's Jesus, right? And so Luther wrestled with that. Yeah. He said, no, from what I know of the church, right? There's such a thing as purgatory, yeah. right? No one is good enough. You have to have good works yeah. to be good enough. And if you have good works, then you'd be a saint, but because you're not a saint, you're going to purgatory. Yeah, just throw out Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Ignore that part, right? Right. Yeah. And so Luther saw there's something not right yeah. here. And it wasn't until, um, you know, uh, te- Textile, this one priest who was sent by Pope Leo X to go into Germany to sell indulgences. And the selling of indulgences was so that they could renovate mm-hmm. the St. Peter's Basilica. And it was like, you you, you sold these um, indulgences. And for anyone who's tuning in who don't know what indulgences yeah. are, you know, the Catholic Church still has it today. Um, the saints' good works, right? Their good works would overflow. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because Oliver and I, in, in grade school and in middle school, in the Adventist system, you learn a lot about the Reformation, at least when we were in it. I think the curriculum may have changed, but we've learned a lot about like the Reformation and indulgences. In seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Our seventh grade teacher was particularly passionate about this stuff. Right. So we've heard about it a lot. We wrote a five-page essay on the Reformation. <laughs> we actually wrote a longer essay, too. 
I think our, it was our eighth grade year with the same teacher. Uh, like, a, what was it, like 20 pages 20 or something pages, on the Reformation? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so when you say indulgences, it just brings us back yeah. to, to, like, the seventh grade year. Yeah, like, well, all the good works of the saints... That overflows. Overflow like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, let's just say that cup is all that's required by God in order for you to make it into heaven. The overflow goes into this treasury box. And we sell it. And we sell that, <laughs> right? And that's oh, that's man. the indulgences. And so Luther, who, who hears about that in Wittenberg, he's like, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And he says, I've got some questions I want to ask. And he put together a document and they were more like propositions and his propositions were came in the form of 95 theses yeah. the theses right mm-hmm. and he and, and he put it on a he put it on a board on the church in wittenberg right and it's a notice board it, it's not the only thing that was on there these preachers that would go out there and say Wait, it was the only you thing. Picture it like it's on the door, yeah. and it's yeah. the only thing on the door. Only thing on the. It wasn't noticeable. Yeah. He put it up there, and that was it. He didn't have. Luther had no idea what that thing was going to cause. Luther was one of those guys that was just like, "Oh, this is so silly. Can you guys think for yourselves? You know, start thinking about some things here. Yeah, I got some questions here, yeah. and I forget the name of the guy who came around." And this guy was always looking for something new. And, you know, he was working with some 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 friends of his who had just invented the printing press. And so he took he took a read of the of the notice board and he saw these 95 theses and he said, Oh man, these are good questions. <laughs> and so he takes it to the printing press. Oh. Yeah. And within two weeks, what Luther wrote spread throughout Germany. And he had no, he he had no idea what that was going to cause. Yeah. And within three months, it was all over Europe. And so, you know, Christianity, the church, is the answer to the corruption See, the, you know, when the church had corrupted itself, Christianity was 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 the way in which it's the return to what the Bible, you know. Correct. Yeah. Let's return to what the Bible. What does the Bible say? And that's why you know you got sola scriptura. Sure. Right. Yeah. Solus um, Christus. Mm-hmm. Sola gratia. Like it's the return to the Bible because whenever we drift away from the Bible, yeah, that's when the corruption. Well, yeah, because you're putting your your faith and your and your authority into people. Yes, and when you put it into people, people will let you down, mm. and that's that's where the idea of soul scriptura comes yes. from. Yeah. So so now, here's the thing, because the church wasn't catching on. Yeah. Um. Sooner, I'll say faster. That out of the you know it it was already beginning. Sure. From as early as the 14th century. To the 15th century, to the 16th century, they were already beginning to question the church. Yeah. And I guess the French Revolution was really a, you know, a, a, a massive fist. It just put a hole in everything. Mm-hmm. And from that hole, you got like all these, you know, Immanuel Kant and who came out of that and Hume, right? Like these were the guys that really began to 
to hold Christianity accountable. And Friedrich Nietzsche is one of the most important figures of that time. He was a he was a harsh, harsh critic of Christianity. Yeah. And he started like, you know, questioning Christianity. Like he was he was ruthless. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if you've ever read his um Beyond Good and Evil, yeah. like he he smashes Christianity, <laughs> you know, there. But then he he goes on to write the gay sciences. And in the gay sciences, he has this, you know, this figure like Diogenes who would question everything. He has this figure like a, like a Diogenes who goes into the marketplace and he makes this announcement like God is dead. Yeah. Um, he was really like a prophet. Mm. A lot of people have said that he was like a prophet. He was he he, he knew what was coming. Yeah. It's the 19th century. He said. The next century to come, um, it's going to be the bloodiest. And it was. It was. He says because he knew where it was going. He mm-hmm. knew where, where, where we were going. We were getting rid of Christianity. Yep. We were done with it. And we didn't have anything to replace it with. And he was nothing to replace yeah. it with. So, so, you know, regardless of his idea of the Ubermensch, which is sure. what they translated to be Superman, right? <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. Superman. Mm-hmm. You're taking Jesus away. And Jesus was the central figure of the human race. Essentially. He, he was the standard of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, um, Nietzsche was saying we had to come up with something else because Jesus is no longer there, right? David Strauss wrote this book called The Life of Jesus in 1835. And it was, he's a theologian, right? And at the end of the book, you were questioning your faith. <laughs> he was like, yeah. Jesus was a myth. He was an idea. And the historicity of Jesus is not legitimate. There's another guy by the name of um, Ludwig Feuerbach. Mm-hmm. And these two figures influenced the person by the name of Karl Marx. Yeah, They influenced so many thinkers back then. Um, so you got like guys like Feuerbach and Ludwig. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got also guys like... Um, uh, Karl Marx, uh, sorry, I think Charles Darwin. Those two, yeah, what a combination. They they all came around during this time, and and Charles Darwin really put a nail in the coffin yep. uh, by coming up with his theory of evolution. Yep. And then now, Jesus didn't really exist, mm-hmm. and the world didn't come about by, you know, uh, the spoken word of God. Isn't, you know? isn't it interesting how ideas can cause so much damage and often, often the people who come up with said ideas don't even see it happen. Like, like with Karl Marx, for example, he he had these ideas of, of communism, and mm-hmm. it, it was this utopian vision that he had. And then he's gone, and then down the line, twenty million people are dead, thirty million people are dead, and all these people are dead yeah. because of his ideas, and he never even saw it happen. Yeah. So, and we have to be careful with the ideas that we bring to the table. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, Karl Marx took seriously the ideas of, you know, he took seriously um, Hegel's idealism mm-hmm. and he took seriously, you know, um, Farbach's uh, materialism. And so for Karl Marx, Karl Marx was against, you know, capitalism. Sure. He was against it. And, and capitalism, as we know, was put together by the Protestants. Mm-hmm. And he saw. Uh, Chris, the role that Christianity played. 
And he felt that if he was to get rid of Christianity, yeah. there's an opportunity for him to be able to establish a new way yeah. of governance. And he referred to religion as the opioid of the It's masses. the opium of their masses, yeah. right? You know, and so, um, so, so you got these figures, right? They were trying to, uh, you know, uh, because what Nietzsche had said early on, he said, if you take these ideas seriously, um, chaos, nihilism was going to be the result. And so you got like thinkers like um, Sartre, Jean-Paul Sartre, and, you know, who was trying to answer mm-hmm. to this nihilism um, with the idea of existentialism. And then you got another guy by the name of Albert Camus. Mm-hmm. And Albert Camus was the great absurdist. Existentialism and absurdism uh, were a response to nihilism. Because, you know, it, there are a lot of philosophers that people said were existentialists, yeah. but they would never have referred to themselves as <laughs> existentialists. You know, we classify people. We classify people, yeah. right? Uh, but, it, you know, these existentialists, uh, philosophers, uh, were, were really trying to, 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 to get us to make sense of life, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it became more popular in that period of nihilism mm-hmm. because, of you know, they said it was more popular in 1945 because it was the end of, of World, World War II. Yeah. It was like, okay, we were heading towards utopia, so we thought. So with the ideas of Charles Darwin, with the ideas of Karl Marx, yeah. you know, we thought we were heading towards utopia. Things were going to be better once you got rid of Christianity. Yeah. But as they saw that, hey, you know, look at the amount of bodies. Yeah. Look at how many people have died, right? They no longer believed that we were heading towards this utopia. Ideas have body counts. Right? Exactly. And what's what's fascinating when we talk about like Plato and Aristotle's debates and, and the synthesis that come from that, um, they repeat. We keep having the same debates, and yeah. people people seem to forget about history. And like even with Oliver and I's generation, we know people, a good chunk of people who who prescribe to these ideas that we just talked about about Marx and Darwin, and they don't even seem to realize. The, the the history of those ideas. I mean, we've interacted with many who who prescribe to to Marxism. They may not say Marxism nowadays. We kind of say socialism or, or, oh, yeah. or something else. But these ideas haven't worked before. But yeah. we forget about it. Yeah, and it, it, it's all kind of a escape from other ideas. Yeah, and, and so if we don't know the history of it, we're doomed to repeat it. Absolutely. Yeah, we're doomed to repeat it. And, and, and I'm seeing it now more than ever, um, the ideas of two Germans and two French yeah. that are still here today. And when I hear like people like social media yeah. in your classrooms, you hear your kids, they're yeah. saying things that they think their favorite artist said or their favorite, you know, um, hip hop artist mm-hmm. said, like when they talked about YOLO. Like, dude, that's Albert Camus, you know? <laughs> it's like, what's your why? That's Friedrich Nietzsche, <laughs> right? Yeah. All these ideas. Um, and that's because we, we're heading back to that direction of um, wanting to throw out Christianity. Yeah. We're throwing out Christianity because Christianity is the biggest problem. 
And Christ Christianity has been used and abused so many times. Um, I'm going to say this. The, the, the political right is not Christianity. Of course not. <laughs> the political right is not what Christianity is about. And so when people have a problem with Christianity, they use the political yeah. right ideologies. Lump it together. They lump they, it together. They, they criticize the political right, claiming to be criticizing Christianity. Right. Yeah. And, then, and then, they, then, then the left, they start using Bible verses and butchering I've Bible heard, verses. I've heard that a lot, yeah. I'm like beside myself. That story no longer has, yeah. you know, that story no no longer has its meaning anymore because we've used a lot of Jesus's parables as we're, a way we're to really abuse the yeah, Jesus parables. We yeah. butchered those stories to try and um, promote leftist ideologies, yeah. and so for me, it's like. You know, people are, are, are asking questions like, is Jesus left? Is Jesus right? If Jesus was here, would he be an activist? Yeah. And all these things. And and I think Jesus, you know, did it brilliantly when he said, render to Caesar. That which is Caesar. That which is Caesar's. Mm -hmm. Render to God, which is God. Should, should have brought a coin with us yeah. for, for the visual yeah. component. Right. Yeah. It's like, God is neither left or right. Well, it's interesting though that you say that because you mentioned Jesus marching in, in like uh, social activism and, and and stuff like that. I've I've literally heard pastors' sermons where they've said Jesus would be marching in those riots and the, it, blatantly using it, like using Jesus to push th this agenda. I'm just like, Jesus did not have a political agenda. Now yeah. Jesus made political comments, mm -hmm. but they were a sidestep. Of his his true agenda, which was his mission, and yeah. we, we abuse him and use him yeah. on our own agendas. Yeah, and, and this is what we've got to be very careful about. See, see, the thing is, is that Jesus was about his father's business. Yes. He unapologetically said that all throughout his ministry. Mm -hmm. If you read Luke chapter twelve, mm -hmm. in the middle of one of Jesus's teachings, a person speaks up. We don't even know the guy's name. Yeah, but he interrupts Jesus in the middle of his talk in Luke chapter twelve, and he says to Jesus, "I was like Jesus, you know, you, you sound like a good man, like a wise man. Yeah. Can you come and help me? You know, divide you know my inher the right. inheritance. Mm -hmm. There's like injustice, mm -hmm. right? There's injustice that's happened in my life, and he says, can you come and fix this? And Jesus says." Man, who who made who made me <clears throat> yeah. a judge for you? And, and and that's 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 a question. That's a that's a very important question that we all have to ask ourselves. Yeah. Now, when he said man, he, the the Greek word there is anthropos, meaning human. <laughs> My father told me to come reveal him. Yeah, you're telling me. To come and sort this yeah. situation out. <clears throat> and Jesus politely said no. Yes, politely. Mm. He politely said no. Um, Jesus was on a specific mission. <clears throat> and he would not be moved left or right, not even by a microscopic degree. Mm -hmm. Because for Jesus, 
he knew his purpose. And the disciples also wanted him, along with many of his followers, to sit on the throne of David, literally. They were going to force him politically into that scene. To be a ruler. To be a ruler. The zealots, they wanted their land back. They wanted their culture mm-hmm. back. They wanted the Romans gone. Yeah. And Jesus wasn't a zealot. No. He didn't join in any of these political parties. Mm-hmm. To the point where when he was standing in front of Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate said to him, you know, where's your kingdom? He goes, it's not of this world. Yeah. Okay, problem, problem solved. Yep. As far as Pontius Pilate was concerned, he's not broken any laws yep. because there's only one law, Roman law. Yeah. And if your laws and if your kingdom is not of this world, well, we can live in harmony yeah. is really what Pontius Pilate was yep. saying. He was like, you know, you're not a threat to us. What Pontius Pilate didn't realize, though, which would become a realization shortly after he was gone, that Christianity had such a powerful message. Influential. It was so influential that you didn't have to be a political activist in order to bring about the change because the change was going to come not from the way that you conceptualized um, the world, Change was going to come here. Yeah. That was the change that Jesus was going to bring about. And they weren't ready for him. They were not ready for what Jesus was going to bring to this world. And I even think even now, um, the change that Jesus can bring through the gospel, even now, um, would change even the most aggressive right or left. Yeah. We're not, we're not doing, we're not doing Christianity right still today yeah. by engaging the left with the right yeah. and engaging the right with the left. Yeah. Um, the way that Jesus did it is the way we all have to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know where this quote is found. It, I, I do believe it, it, it is from Ellen White, mm-hmm. where she says, you know, to, to stop trying to stop trying to correct all errors. Yeah. Preach truth. Yeah. Truth itself corrects that's, error. That's really good. Yeah. Don't try and talk about, you know, um, it's wrong. You know, gay marriage is wrong. Preach what marriage is. Yeah. And that works, it out, works itself out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, preach what marriage is. Yeah. I had a person once say to me, Rome, are you telling me that marriage can't be? And I said, I didn't say anything about that. Yeah. I said what marriage is. You defined what marriage I is. I defined what marriage is. But that, you know, that hit them so hard yeah. that their definition of marriage didn't fall <laughs> <laughs> into yeah. what I had just taught. According to what the scripture says. And that's the key because in that case, neither of you are defining what marriage is in actuality. It, you're saying what the Bible defines marriage is. 
Because then people will attack you and say that it's your definition. It's like, it's not, it's not my definition at all. And, and that's, that's that truth. Because right. it has to be objective. Same thing about God. Mm-hmm. Same thing about God. Yep. We, we, we just focus yep. on the character of God through the person of Jesus Christ. And that corrects any misunderstandings. And when people try and teach that Jesus was this and God was that, and you teach what the Bible says, and they come to you and say, oh, I noticed you didn't say this. Or, you know, Oh, yeah, that's because that's not found in the Bible at all. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, okay, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> and you'll be amazed at how many people would say, I'm pretty sure it is. And then they try and find a specific text yeah. that says, that, that proves their ideas. And this is the biggest problem that we have. Um, is that whenever we talk about um, Christianity today, mm-hmm. we talk it to prove an idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I call speaking into the word. Yeah. That's when the word is a dead word. Yeah. But if you let the word of God speak to you, it's a living word. Yeah. Because it'll make you question your beliefs. Yeah. And it will also correct your beliefs when you let the word of God, you know, speak to you. All scripture is inspired by God and useful to tell us what is wrong in our lives and to teach us what is right. Yeah, that, that's right. And so that's why whenever whenever people, you know, talk about Karl Marx, Friedrich Nietzsche, the two Germans mm-hmm. that have shaped the 21st century and the two French, um, Jean-Paul Sartre and Michel Foucault. These are the minds that have shaped the world that we're in today. Mm-hmm. And what they're trying to do mm-hmm. has already been proven in history before, and history will repeat itself. Yeah. Um, a world with no God will bring about, you know, nihilism yeah. if we are not careful. And if we throw away the, you know, Douglas Murray put it like this, and, and Douglas Murray, he's a, a British um, journalist, he says, be careful. That you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, because <laughs> the baby is holy. Yeah, yeah. the baby is holy, mm-hmm. um, and this is what Jordan Peterson and many others have tried to argue the case yeah. for. It's like we have to think about this very carefully. Yeah. Let's not jump too quickly and throw Christianity out the out the door because of the role that they played yeah. in helping us understand morals and ethics. Well, isn't isn't there's another illustration that just popped in my head about? Isn't it? It's like the fence, right? Mm-hmm. And you have the group of people who says, we got to tear the fence down. Ah, and they're all, they're all like on the riot. And you have the other group of people that says, first, you go tell me why the fence is there in the first place. Then we can talk about whether we're going to tear it down or not. Exactly. We have, we have today, we just all want to tear the fence down. Yep. But we don't even really realize why it was there in the first place. And that's right. We, we, we want to know what's the, because like the, the, the intention is long gone, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and we forget. And, um, and, and if we remember you know what what it served and what it was there for we can correct where we went wrong right rather than tearing the whole thing down and that's what you know yeah. uh what douglas murray's referring to it's like let's look back at what christianity really is and that's what jordan peterson did when he went back to studying you know genesis yeah. there's a lot of things that jordan peterson said that i agree with and a lot of things that i disagree with sure. i just wanted to put that out there for anyone that's oh, that, that, that's listening because i want i want people to understand that as a christian we promote christian yeah you know um ethics mm-hmm. we, we promote the person of jesus christ we don't we, we, we don't promote what other people put in place of course, but yeah. but 
there are some things that a lot of people say out there that really is in alignment with what Jesus said. We're, we're landing like, mm-hmm. on, you know, what, one of, what I think is one of the biggest issues is, you know, the misrepresentation For sure. of God by Christianity. Yeah. Um, I stand with, you know, many of the other atheists mm-hmm. that have rejected the idea of Christianity. I do reject that idea of Christianity, the idea that, um, that they have come to, to understand and come to know. I do, I do disagree with the way in which, you know, throughout our history, we have misrepresented Christianity. Yeah. And I think that when Jesus is no longer the central focus, yeah. the, the gospel is no longer the focus. Mm-hmm. The moment we start using Christianity for, you know, um, to gain any, any, anything, to gain anything, yeah. you know, um, like to, to win a political argument mm-hmm. or to, to, to gain votes or to, yeah. you know, and you, and you use Christianity. I think that, you know... I, we started doing that in, Con- in the time of Constantine, and we haven't stopped doing that since. And so, um, I guess that if we if we look at where the church is at today, yeah. um, many of our church, many of our churches are divided over what Paul and Peter and John had done um, during that time more yeah. than two thousand years ago. These were men that really stood for what Christianity mm-hmm. was. Their stories are recorded in Scripture for us to. Uh, to, to model, yeah. you know, and to, to also see that some of the challenges that they were confronted with will be challenges that we yeah. will be confronted with. And how did they deal with those mm-hmm. those challenges? And it would also help us to deal with the challenges that we're confronted with um, today. And so, you know, I think that Christianity still has a still has a, a voice, still has uh, an opportunity to use that voice. Yeah. You know, to, to, to get people to to think about, yeah. you know, the to think about ways in which we, number one, could um, treat each other, deal with each other. Number two, um, to, to, to really bring um, history in, into its proper place, as in what I, what I mean by that is, you know, when we reflect on history, we reflect on history in a way that would inform us about how... Sure to move forward. That's what history is all about, right? We look back to see, you know, the goodness of God. Um, that's what the Israelites were told to do. Look back into the history, uh, to his history, to, to to reflect on the goodness of God um, to so that they could depend in, on faith, you know, in dealing with anything that comes, in, you know, before them. But also if we look into, you know, secular history as well, you look into secular history and you realize um, it hasn't been pretty for us as Christians. No. You know, we haven't done things right. And it's it's an opportunity for us to get things right. Let's start having the right conversations. Let's start um, talking about how to deal with some of these things that we're confronted with in today's today's world. And I think that, you know, um, what is it? I think it was just last week, um, my wife and I were watching the, the whole social dilemma. I don't know if you guys saw that yeah. documentary about the issues of social media. Oh, yeah. And the algorithms. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's scary, mm-hmm. you know, the world that's in front of us, you know, um, that's that, that we're in right now. And the future mm-hmm. that we could have if we don't, you know, take mm-hmm. seriously, um, you know, what the, what the Word of God mm-hmm. is saying about the soon return of Jesus mm-hmm. and the importance of, you know, spreading the gospel in the right way. Yeah. The way that Jesus would do it, and that's that for me is my passion right now as a Christian. You know, looking back at the history of Christianity, 
Um, and I think to myself, like, you know, we've done some things right and we've done some things wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how am I going to approach my ministry now knowing that on one end people have a distorted version of Mm -hmm. history on the other end you know people um don't have a knowledge at all so then what's worse (laughs) right (laughs) so then how do i how do i share my faith in light of those facts Mm -hmm. and so you know history has really helped me to be better informed mm-hmm. in how I, you know, speak to, you know, sure. the people that I want to minister to. My ministry is more towards, you know, those who've never heard Christianity mm-hmm. before or those who have a misunderstanding sure. of what Christianity is all about. And so because because I have that in mind, I, I look back in the history of Christianity so that when I'm having these conversations with people, um, I know what they know. Yeah about who God is. And that's why, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to to, to say um, yes to when somebody mm-hmm. says, do you believe in God? Yep. It's like, you can't just say yes anymore because who they think God is might not be the mm-hmm. same as what you believe God to be. And that would cause a lot of problems. It's like, dude, hold on. I don't believe that God either, you know? And so um, having that, that background would really help you yeah. in your ministry to be able to minister to, to people in the right way. Say, you know, yeah, we, I understand that. That's what the church did. And I want to admit to that also and acknowledge that as a Christian, that we didn't get things right. Um, but I also want to talk to you about the, you know, the, the, the problem with thinking that there is this utopian, yeah. right, that, that, that we're going to reach um, through, you know, technology and education, yeah. education alone, you know, D.L. Moody said, if you just give somebody that was stealing nuts and bolts from a railway, just <laughs> education, he'll come back and steal the entire railway, you know? Um, so it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's more than education, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what Christianity, you know, yeah. does. If we were to um, remain in what Jesus taught us to do so it brings us that that moral compass yeah because yeah. like like with the nuts and bolts and stealing the railway yeah you can teach him how to steal the railway or you can teach him that it's wrong to steal the railway that's right that's exactly yeah, right and, and i think we've learned a lot about how ideas have consequences and how yeah. we got to make sure we got the right ideas mm-hmm. in the world today for sure yeah i think that's it for us thanks so much for tuning in hopefully we'll catch you on the next one god bless god bless Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Fate Talk. Check us out on all of our socials. That'll be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and all the above. We also are on YouTube. And subscribe to all our channels, you know, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, things like that. And be sure to check out our merch store. It not only supports us, but it helps us bring you higher quality content. Yeah, and remember, we got a weekly word on Wednesday every week on Get This Wednesday. And episodes come out first of the month. Thanks so much for watching. Hopefully we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.